Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, welcome to another European (laughs) edition of Everything is Black and White. Everything is Black and White in Europe, if you want to call it. That could be the closest we get to Europe. Could be with Newcastle at the moment. Uh, do you want to just s- sum up the scene at the moment? Yeah. We well, um, we're, we're here at. Uh, we're on our way back from uh, from Portugal. We're here at uh, Schiphol Airport. So uh, if you hear any uh, random uh, Dutch tannery announcements in the background, that's uh, that's what we're, where we are. We've uh, sat uh, indoors, but on a nice uh, sunny day, looking out at the airport, and uh, I'm reflecting on uh, Newcastle's sort of mini tour of Portugal I mean uh, before we get to uh, the stuff it's all about obviously political infighting uh, let's get out the uh, triviality of the football I mean um, a 0-0 draw with Porto and a yeah. 4-0 defeat in uh, Braga what, what do you make of the uh, the football Newcastle played on this trip? Yeah I think Porto away you know very much Newcastle were on the on the back foot almost. Yeah, uh, Paul took the game to them, um, but Newcastle did what they needed to defensively. They were a little bit lucky at times, um, but that luck seemed to run out mm. against Braga. Uh, they did actually. They started off okay. Yes, last night. they, they created, did actually. Yeah, a couple of chances down the left. Absolutely. Um, you know, they created a couple of openings, and I thought this this might not be too bad. I mean, Braga are are, are nowhere near as good as Porto, but the second half it was just a complete collapse and that look I know that the professional footballers but I just wondered if you know six six days of, of intense training and mm. in, in intensity and I know it's been hot back home and staying in a hotel and all that and going a bit stir crazy I just wonder if it took its toll on the players towards the end of the, the second half and hence the, the big collapse yeah well I mean it was uh Certainly hotter in Braga than it had been on any on, on match day than it had been on any day of the tour, and um, obviously Braga really exploited that by moving the ball around a lot and, and making Newcastle run. But uh, I think I think the, the the worrying thing for me really was that I mean you talk about sort of look running out and what have you, but I think the good thing about the Porto game was although Porto were by far the better team, Newcastle really dug in to get a draw there. Obviously. Needed Martin Dubravka's brilliance. Needed a bit of a bit of luck, what have you. But um, really showed some some good spirit to get a draw there. But at Hull, they'd um, they kept fighting right to the end to, to nick a nick a draw. And again, mm. you know, perhaps it might not be merited. Um, but against Braga, I mean, you use the word collapse. It, it the roof did really seem to come in once they uh, once they went behind. Yeah, and I think it was a combination of things. Really, I think. Um, Lascelles going off injured was a was a factor. Yeah. Even though even though he wasn't playing particularly well, he's still the organizer at the back yeah. and, he, and he went off and that was a problem. Uh Scher came on and he's still finding his feet. Yeah. So I think that was a you know, it's gonna take him time to settle, no doubt about that. Yeah. Paul Dummett was playing his first full ninety minutes, so mm-hmm. I think 
he was probably feeling a bit leggy towards the end of that and two of the goals came from that side of the pitch um, so I think there was a, you know, a few factors obviously Newcastle changed goalkeeper as well Darlow went in he was left a little bit exposed to yeah. be totally honest but um, you know and Braga were just up for it I mean the the guy with the with the um, the megaphone was whipping yes. everyone into a frenzy wasn't he but yes the uh, the Braga ultras were uh, making a really good atmosphere of it not that there weren't many of them and there weren't many, many people in the ground but they certainly mm. made themselves heard yeah I mean they were they were looking at that as a chance to get a scalp against the Premier League team and they certainly took it so you don't you know you, you can't read too much into friendly results uh, you know you you can win you can win every single game in pre-season 4 or 5 nil, and uh, it's you know it doesn't it doesn't count for anything oh. once that Premier League starts or you can get hammered by Leighton Orient and uh, go on to have you a great cer- season you certainly can and that's quite a nice neat little link you've you've thrown in there because that's 6-1 against Leighton Orient I seem to remember the players not speaking after the game yeah. then which is what happened last night slightly different circumstances but yeah it was uh, it was it it was an interesting night in terms of trying to get content afterwards wasn't it it certainly was yeah it was a, a strange old night none of, none of the yeah none of the players talking and uh, Rafa Benitez having very few words to say but um, getting his message across very very clearly mm, I mean I suppose we'll, we'll tackle the players part of it first yeah it quickly became obvious, you know. I mean, f- for those who wonder what happens after games, and um, apologies to anyone who does, but for those who don't, don't know what happens after games, there's an area in grounds called the mix zone where the players and the journalists can discuss can things. Yeah, mix is the, the exactly discuss things, have a conversation, maybe ask things off the record, but generally. Um, speak to them on the record and get quotes which is what you, you normally see in all your stories afterwards um, to be fair it was a lovely mix on that brother it was they've got, wasn't it the, the way it was set out and the players have to walk past you it was right up uh, your way for standard unfortunately the players decided that they didn't want to talk it's later emerged that it's about the bonus there's a wrangle going on behind the scenes with Mike Ashley about how much the uh, end of season bonus would be so, I mean, you were there when the captain came out and he explained, basically, didn't he? That's right, yeah. He explained that it was nothing personal, but the, the senior players wouldn't be speaking. And uh, I mean, it seems to be just one of those things that mm. happens every year at Newcastle yeah. United, where the players and Mike Ashley end up arguing about the bonus system. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's something that could really do with, with sorting on, on a permanent basis, not just a season by season crisis by crisis basis as it is at the moment yeah I mean it's happened before uh, it's probably happened over five or six times in the Seems last few years yeah. um, I think Ashley offered uh, £20 million if they won the FA Cup last season and I mean that was going to go out the window the minute they got Chelsea away yeah so yeah it's um, it's a bit disappointing it was still interesting to ask certain players and see what the different responses slash excuses were but most of them were uh, most of them knew the score and said it with a smile and I think they'll be speaking again pretty soon because the the, um, 
bonus has to be sorted out in time for the new season kicking off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was all done uh, in a very cordial way. You know, relations between ourselves and the players have been pretty good out here. There's been no no real issues. So, um, you know, it, you got the impression that uh, the Sells meant it when he said it wasn't personal. It's clearly, uh, clearly other things, you know, contributing to that. But I guess it's... Uh, I guess it just kind of added to the um, to the atmosphere when we then spoke to Rafa Benitez and he made a great point saying uh, more than once that things are not right off the pitch and uh, we, we all know that the, the things that are most not right are, uh, are more to do with transfer budgets and what have you but it showed that it sort of runs deeper than just that. Yeah and when you were sort of pegging your hopes on getting managerial quotes mm. After the game, you were hoping that it would be something interesting to write, and it certainly didn't let anybody down. I think. I mean, people looking at it will think, "Oh, Rafa's gone off on one there." He, he did kind of go off on one, but he done it in a, in a very diplomatic way. Yeah. He didn't criticise anybody. He just kind of like stated facts, which I think he's uh, he said something before about facts, hasn't <laughs> he, at Liverpool? Yeah. Um, but he just said, you know, it's very simple, it's very clear what we need to do, and if we don't do it, then we're taking a big risk. So, yeah, it was the reaction's been unbelievable on mm. social media. Uh, you know, it's a it's an interesting one these days when you're a journalist because you're not only getting the quotes ready for the newspaper, you're doing it straight away for the website. You, you're live tweeting, which then goes into a live blog. So you're doing like two or three different things at the same time and then when you look at them in the cold light of day the quotes they're, they're very powerful they are yeah um, there's not many of them but that, that sort of adds to the power of it doesn't it yeah lots of lots of one and two word uh, answers to, to questions or what have you said said with a with a smile really rather than a menace again like we said about the players you know you never got the impression that the anger was being directed at at us I mean yeah. without saying so Benito has left it in absolutely no doubt who the anger was being directed towards correct um, you know it's now you now wonder whether you know the powers that be will respond I don't think they'll respond before the window shuts maybe they will afterwards Mr. they'll, they'll have the same that's just to prove that we are in an airport <laughs> But if you're listening, uh, you need to get along. But um, <laughs> I mean, we know the situation at, at the moment. We know that um, Benitez is in the last year of his contract now. Yeah. Are, are you are you worried about what the what the future holds in terms of the next couple of months? And are you worried about uh, whether we'll see him beyond that contract? Well, that's a it's a good question. I think a lot of people fear that. He won't be around after this contract. Mm. But do you, are you confident He's, that he'll see it out at this stage? I think he will see it out. Yeah, I do. And, and he'll he'll um, leave it completely open right until the end. It's then up to them to sort it out. I think he, he does want to do the job properly. He wants to honour his contract. And the thing with Rafa is, is that he's so organised that when he does come to the end of his contract, and this is a dangerous part for Newcastle now when he does get the end of that contract basically I'm getting put off by that over at <laughs> but when he does come to the end of the contract basically what he'll be looking to do is he'll have a job lined up you know yeah or someone will come in you know everyone's aware now 
Yes. All all this that's gone on with Conrad, everyone's aware that he's available at the end of the season. Mm. Clubs are looking for the next move, they're looking for the next manager, there's managers on the brink of the sack. So I think for Rafa he'll be um he'll be desperate to he'd love to get it sorted at Newcastle. He said on the record a few times he wants to stay here five or ten years. You just why is it always got to be so awkward, you know? Mm. And, and for Newcastle United, I mean, uh, Newcastle managers being frustrated with Mike Ashley is, is nothing new. Yeah. But the fact that this is is being done so publicly at the moment um, is not a great advert if Benitez does go go to the uh, to the quality managers Newcastle might want to replace him. Yeah, you do wonder who would. If, yeah. It, you know that that horrible scenario that Rafa doesn't stay you do wonder who would come in and you know you you probably would be looking at somebody who's would just be happy to have the job which we've had before you yes. know Alan Pardew was, was desperate to get back into football um, and while he did take Newcastle to Europe temporarily it didn't work out and yeah it's just you don't even want to be contemplating things like that but at the end of the day it's We've all been around long enough to see what goes on at the club, and they just seem happy for it to for that to happen at the moment, and it's just a crying shame. And one one thing Benitez said last night was that he doesn't expect, as far as you can expect anything in a transfer window, he doesn't expect anybody to, more to be leaving. Yeah. I.e. Dwight Gale, who started last night, he expects to be staying. Yeah. Um, what do you make of that? Because obviously um, Gale was. A bargaining chip in the uh, in the deal for for Rondon. So, what, what's your take on that? I think he's understandably. I think he's a bit peeved off mm. that that he's been thrown in the middle of all this. Doesn't want to leave. Wants to be in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, you know, he's wearing the number nine shirt at Newcastle, and although he didn't get the goals he wanted to last season, I think for him, he sees that as an honour. Uh, yes. To wear the shirt, and he's proud of it. He obviously knows he's got to get a few more calls to earn his keep, but you know he's he's a committed player. Yeah. To Newcastle, and they've got a few of them. Yes. You know Matt Ritchie, Lascelles. They've got a really uh, influential core of players in yeah. the dressing room, and uh, that won't have gone down well, you know, with the group as well. That, yes. You know, one of the players has been kind of touted around. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's one of them where they'll just. Once that window's shut, Rafa will just probably look to get him settled down again and get him yeah. concentrating on his football. He had the same situation last year with Fulham yeah. towards the end of the deadline. Strange thing with the window this year is, is that it shuts earlier, mm. but there's still a slight threat of outgoing deals Yes, with the European teams. I mean, yes. you, you, would, you would think. With with Gale specifically though, yeah, and Isaac Hayden, who's another one who's been talked yeah. about, there'd probably be a more interest to English teams than than foreign teams. Wouldn't well, there would. I think I think Rafael be calmer when the the UK window shuts. Yeah. I mean, it, it it might give him time to focus on getting rid of other players. Mm. You know, people maybe like Lazar, yes, Henri Sevier afterwards. Um, so. So yeah, it's um, it's fun and games as usual, isn't it? Yeah, well, I I, I guess you know this will be this will be the first uh, window we've had before the season starts. So it, 
probably take us a couple before we can come to any firm conclusions about whether it's a good or a bad thing but um, from a Newcastle perspective um, it should mean that these fun and games have stopped by the time the football started which hasn't hasn't always been the case and, and we did see in fairness to Benitez last year I mean he does like to play his politics during the transfer window yeah he does um, but equally last last season in particular once the window was shut there was a definite knuckling down and getting on with the job so Hopefully, by the time the Spurs game comes around, yeah. um, all these things will be put on the back burner and it will, will be a case of making the best of, of what they have, whatever that is. Yeah, and I think, you know, once, once that window does shut, Rafa is capable of, you know, just getting everyone focused again. Uh, I think it was, uh, it was unsettling. You could tell we were, you know, we'd been to the the team hotel a few times mm. and um, you know it's you could just feel a little bit of a, an edgy atmosphere there yeah uh, they were well aware the press were there the players and you know, I'd be edgy with you looking around my hotel <laughs> to be honest <laughs> but it's like at the end of the day the, even in the open training sessions there was a bit of funny games on the yeah. show in West Brom at Gale okay. um, any idea who said that yet? No, we're still uh, we're still trying to narrow that down. You, I, I, I gather you've been doing a VAR on the video uh, to try and <laughs> try and work it out. I did have a closer look, and unless Matt Ritchie's very good at ventriloquism, can't rule it out. Um, th- it wasn't him. It, he, he was the one who supplied the pass for the goal, and it just looked like um, it came from the, the bench where there was a few players sitting. But hard, hard one to call. I mean, you had people like Paul Dummett and Kieran Clark. They're on your list bench. of suspects, are they? Yeah, could be, could be. But you know, we'll, we'll, that that debate will rumble on um, for the next few weeks. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, we know that Rafa wants three or four players. We know what positions he wants them in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see his squad in the same way? What would your would, would your priorities be those four positions and if so what sort of order well bearing in mind scoring goals is the most important thing then mm. he needs a striker but I mean a couple of the names that have been bandied around today have been already dismissed yeah um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation out there at the minute uh, agents knowing Newcastle want a striker and putting their man's name on Yes. On so there is there is that. Um, so the striker for me would be the priority. Um, even with Dwight Gale staying. Even with Dwight Gale, I think he, it's sort of the type of striker, isn't he? He's looking more for a target man rather than a pacey player like Gale, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, I try and get as many goal scorers in, in his yeah. squad as possible, really. But I think then after that, centre back would be the priority because seen last night in the second half yeah how you know they're only one or two injuries away from mm. potentially um, being in crisis so I mean the left back situation you know Man Keogh can't play there um, but you'd rather have a left footer if you could help it wouldn't you yeah well they have got a left footer on the books in Lazar yeah that, that, that doesn't seem to be uh, going anywhere that one so that situation, I mean, they can't seem to get rid of him. But it's a, it's a 
it's an interesting one Rafa doesn't make too many mistakes in the window mm. um, but I think he he'll be disappointed with the way that one's turned out and even more so that they can't get rid of him yeah I mean that's the problem at English clubs isn't it when you get people on long contracts particularly uh, particularly foreign players it's, it's difficult for foreign clubs to pick up that tab yeah um, when you decide to move them on I mean you, you mentioned centre-backs across the he switched to three at the back last night in response to Braga doing the same so yeah. that again points to the need for more centre-backs with Florian Lejeune yeah injury. yeah one of the biggest disappointments of pre-season um, the fact he's ruled out just you know you, you thought with him getting a, su- a good summer of training under his belt next season it would be even better than he was but you know he's probably going to be ruled out for most of the season now so yeah it's it's a it's a disappointing one, but again, will they push on and get that replacement that they need? And that that's probably what one of the reasons why Rafa's just seems so frustrated. Yeah, and there'd be a few people were uh, twitchy, no doubt, when they saw that John Joe Shelby's name wasn't on the team sheet last night. And Rafa seemed seemed quite relaxed about it when we spoke to him afterwards. Yeah, and I think Shelby done the commentary didn't he as well mm. so and he mentioned that was just a little a little niggle but yeah again it just shows you how, how far they could be away from a crisis and it's not far is it so. no no and one player they've brought in in midfield is Keyson Young he hasn't yep. started a game yet just come off the bench but uh, what what are your first impressions of him being in a Newcastle shirt yeah he looks like he needs more minutes under his belt yeah I think his range of passing has been there for all to see but I just, yeah. I just think fitness wise he's not, not quite there yeah well obviously he's coming off the back of the World Cup isn't he so he's uh, he's had a slightly different preparation yeah. for the season to, to a lot of his teammates and Hayden has got obviously family issues mm. wants to leave totally understandable so you know that that one could could still happen I think I think his agent will be yeah. pushing for that that move to go through um, and then that doesn't leave you with a lot of no options if if say Shelby was out and you know Hayden goes yeah. I mean the army made a horror back pass last night yes. for the first goal yeah. not scrutinising him for one individual moment because he's been brilliant in, in recent times but I think out of all for me out of all the midfielders this summer the, be- the best midfielder has been Sean Longstaff uh-huh. Young Sean Longstaff. Yeah. And what a rise that's been for him from being on loan at Blackpool last year and thinking he was probably going to go to Portsmouth yeah. to probably will be on the bench against Tottenham if if not potentially even starting, which would be an absolute dream for him. And it's just great that a young player, young Geordie lad's getting a chance in the team because there haven't been many come through recently. No. No, it always makes a big difference to supporters to see one uh, doing well. Yeah, and I think Rafa's been keen to, to implement that. And mm. But what he's actually said about me is he's not doing it just for that sort of reason. He's, yeah. he's doing it because he's physically one of the strongest players in the squad. And, you know, you've, you've seen him in training the other day. Mm. He's also got a great range of passing. And uh, he, he can also score spectacular goals. If you, you look, take a look on YouTube with his goals for Blackpool last year. Yeah. Um, different division, but you know he can he can strike a ball from twenty five yards, and uh, I think it'd be a great um, it'd just be great to see him 
do well at the club, you know, because I think it's a real success story. Yeah, I mean, we we know we know Newcastle are in the market for a new number ten. We we know that quality players in that position are, are hard to come come by, and uh, as you've outlined already, they've got they've got other areas they want to look at in the transfer market. I mean, it, if if Longstaff can achieve his potential, it could save. Newcastle a lot of money, which will please Mike Ashley, and uh, Rafa Benitez a lot of stress, which will please him. Yeah, well, it will, and I think a number 10 was mentioned on that list that mm. we've been speaking about. But. I mean, to, to, to my mind, of the, of the four positions, it's probably the least. Yeah, and that's probably the entire reason why Longstaff yeah. is here and not preparing to kick off with Portsmouth yes. in League One. Because we, I mean, we know Perez can play there. We know the army can pe- play there, although he's been moved deeper in the last sort of yeah. uh, six months or so. But um, also, uh, Mutu, who we're expecting to join once he gets work permit approval, could probably do a job there as well. So yeah. they do have options in that position. Yeah, they do, and I think you know, probably Mutu coming in, it's going to be a big, big boost, isn't it? I mean, it's all looking towards that Tottenham game. I yeah. Mean, are you confident that they can possibly get a, a good start? Well, I think I think the good thing is um, you wonder if Newcastle will be at a hundred percent by the time that that game comes uh, comes around. But the way things are looking for Tottenham, you'd be surprised if they were as well. I mean, they've they've got had a lot of players uh, in the latter stages of the World Cup. Um, no signings as yet. Um, I suspect they might be slow starters this year, so oh, this season, I should say. So if that's the case, you'd rather play them early than late. But yeah. um, obviously, Newcastle got to get their own house in order if they're going to um, if they're going to pose a realistic challenge to uh, to one of the best teams in England. Yeah, and I mean that is some start as well, isn't it? Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, yes, Spurs for the first five games, and Cardiff away, which won't be no straightforward. No, I mean you'd, you'd rather. I think you'd rather play the big big clubs early on when they're still bedding in new signings and what have you, but but preferably not four of them at, <laughs> in the space of five games. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough one. If they're sitting at the bottom of the table, though. Yep, exactly. You wouldn't be surprised. No, you wouldn't. Without being negative. Um, but the flip side is, if they have a great start, then uh, Mike Ashley will be saying, "What's all the what's all the problems?" So you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, sounds like we better uh, sign off and get writing about Japanese footballers. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think uh, it's time to say goodbye from this edition of the Black and White Podcast. Um, thanks very much for listening, and uh, keep an eye on Chronicle Live for all the all the latest updates.